You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the B&H app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan Weitz. Greetings and welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. This week at B&H's Gaming Week and on today's episode of the B&H Photography Podcast, we're going to be talking about what else photography and gaming, specifically the practice of photography within gaming environments. For those of you who aren't gamers, many players like to record their achievements with screen grabs of the scene or score, but many take it a step further and use the increasingly advanced photo tools these games offer to quote-unquote photograph scenes within the gaming environment. Some gamers do so with the precision of a real-world photographer adjusting aperture, shutter speed, and ISO to capture a perfect still life, wondrous landscape, or badass car. Today we're going to be talking with two gamers who explore their virtual photography with technical and artistic flourish, and we'll be joined by a game producer from Avalanche Studios to talk about his thoughts on virtual photography and incorporating photo tools into games. Also joining John, Jason, and myself today is one of the newer members of the B&H Explorer team, Akeem Addy, who is our senior designer and a serious gamer. You can now add guest co-host to your resume. Welcome, Akeem. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Akeem, could you give us a little history of what this is all about between gaming and photography? What's the connection? Where did it start? Where's it going? It probably expanded around one little game called Pokemon Snap. Mm-hmm. Around the Nintendo 64, where the game was basically you were on a safari. But what year? But what year is this? I would say probably late late 90s, maybe. Late, okay. And um, you know, Pokemon was all a craze, and you would just go into this virtual world and you would take photos of Pokemon. Uh, simple point and shoot. That's all it was. And as technology got better, as the tools got better as consoles and just gaming overall got better. The worlds got better. People started to just put one and one together. You had games that had, you know, cities that looked like real life cities. So they would try to get real life street photography. Um, fast forward a couple of years. But the character was a photographer in this get, case. And there oh. were games where there was a specific there was a whole game where you were like a detective, mm-hmm. a photographer, uh, photographer that was a detective, and you had to a forensic photographer, something like that, yeah. right? <laughs> and the whole story was just based on how you took the photos and where you took the photos and how you put that together. Talking about Fatal Frame, Fatal Frame, yes, there you go. There you okay. go. Right. And as we got, as that concept came, was I guess someone was like, "Well, how about we start adding a few tool, few tools into these games?" And now we're up to today where you have. Racing games, in my opinion, kind of pushed it forward. I think they were probably the first ones to like really say, here, have it. And they would put exposure, aperture, some filters, and things like that that you can just like make it look good. And could you then at this stage do like focal length changes? You could zoom in on something? I would say that's like, where we're at now. Okay, that's where we're at that's now. That's where we're at now. Getting uh-huh. Games like Drive Club uh, from PlayStation 4, uh, uh, games like... Forza series, Forza Motorsport, my opinion, Forza Horizon is probably it because you're always in a beautiful landscape. Like the last one that came out was in Australia. And the team went to Australia for a year to record the skies Mm. to make sure that it was perfect in the game. And it shows and it pays off. Mm -hmm. And so let's say we're, we're up to date with Forza here and you're going in there, you're looking around, you have the tools. You can take a picture of anything you want within that environment, not just not just the the car and the right. race, right? Right. Yeah. You you have the ability to because that is an open world game, which I also believe pushed this genre. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to take the camera off the subject or off whatever your character is or whatever the car is, and just move it around the move it around the world, and you know try to make your best composition. And this is for PC and and console games too, or well, for the Forza is Forza's homebred on the Xbox One uh, console, and because of their program, they have now where you can play some of your games on the PC if you have Windows 10. Uh, So I want to say yes there, but for the most part, it's a console thing, but there are specific PC games that allows you to do it, and there are games that are what we call third-party that are across all all the platforms, and then there are games specific to PlayStation as well. And is it fair to say that gamers are, they started out, 
taking pictures of their great accomplishments. You know, whatever they did, if it's a it's a battle game or something, they did the great kill. If it's a, a racing game, their car mm-hmm. or their scores. And then it just developed and people said, hey, I can do something else with this. I can go take a picture of this beautiful mountain scene or, or such and such. Is that we're, kind of we're in about? the show me era. Yeah. So before we were taking screenshots, people were used a VCR to record their games of them doing something awesome. You know, you play the video for them. Now we're in a place where we can still do that, but we also could take cool screenshots to make them backgrounds, just to put on your Facebook or on your Instagram, even Twitter or Tumblr. You can upload directly from the console if you wanted to, in many cases. And because of that, it just evolved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For example, what do you take pictures of when you're gaming? When most times... I just see something just beautiful Mm -hmm. at a distance. Maybe it's like mountains far off and my character steps up before they they turn the controls over to me. Sometimes they like to set the piece. Mm -hmm. And right before they hand it to you, it's like a beautiful vista with the character in in the shot. And you're like, oh, no, I got to take that. And then then I go, oh, well, you know what? Let me remove the character because some (laughs) tools, they allow you to do that or you could position the camera in such a way. So anything cool that I like to... On be on Instagram and look at, I tend to shoot if I see it in the video games. Mm-hmm. Cool. And uh, I, I know you mentioned Forza. Would you say that that's basically the high watermark now for the for the photo tools? I would say Drive Club is the Drive high Club. watermark. Okay. I'm I'm sorry. There's still uh, when you look at that and you look at the Forza is amazing until you look at the Drive Club tools, and okay. that's not disrespect to Forza. Right. And what are the tools? And like, just, I mean, obviously aperture and shutter speed. But... I mean, it's obvious to us, but it right. wasn't so obvious before you know at, no one if you just game didn't know what aperture was mm-hmm. you didn't know what the f-stops were you didn't know you know shutter speed you didn't know any of that stuff if you happen to see it in a video game that might have piqued your interest but you're playing at a, at a very innocent level sliders yeah i wish i could do that in the camera right. you know you kind of can do it now you kind of can do it now but you know and that level where you can just continuously do it and see it happen right in front of you and it's a big screen yeah. that's amazing Akeem, thank you so much for bringing us up to speed. Okay. He's a photographer and graphic designer. He shoots news, events, and freelances the way many of us do, but he also creates virtual photographs from the games he plays, including combat photos and very atmospheric still lives of battlefields. Welcome, Leo. Thank you for joining us at the show today. Hi. Thank you. Okay. Can you tell us... uh, uh, what are some of the early games you played and what kind of photo tools did they have? What game got you into virtual photography? I think the first game I used as a test was uh, Grand Theft Auto 4. I really didn't have a specific tool to make the photos. So it was basically, well, Grand Theft Auto 4 is a third-person view uh, game. So you're looking at the character all the times. And this uh, this wasn't good for the picture, so I had to use workarounds. So uh, in this in the first uh, moments, I had to position the character in, in in a wall, and I would move the camera so the camera would sort of overlap the character, and the character would disappear. Then I would have a clear shot for the for the picture. Uh, <laughs> Eventually, I found uh, mods that would give me first-person view or uh, even hacks. So in the early days, uh, there wasn't there weren't any any tools per se like we have today. Um, so workarounds and mods, even hacks. This is all all the all the things we had to do in order to find or even make the make the picture. So it's really from the ground up you had a journey. One question I do have, what came first, photography or gaming in your life? Uh, <laughs> gaming. I was a Nintendo kid. I wasn't a PlayStation kid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Could we go back to the Grand Theft Auto example real quick? Because I, I know exactly what he's uh, talking about. And for you know some of the listeners, because it is more known on the console than it is on the PC. So you're talking about the play, uh, the PC version, right? Oh, yeah. I was playing on PC. Right. And, uh, you know, with PC gaming, you're able to have communities create these modifications, which we for sure call mods. 
to allow you to do more with the game, which mm -hmm. you can't do on a console game. Uh, and then for him to be able to get those mods to put it like in a first person view for a game that was created to be third person where you see the entire character, you know, that was, that's a, that's a huge thing for this. And I know exactly what you're talking about when it comes to angling the camera around. You have to <coughs> maneuver the camera around and at some point the camera goes, okay, the player is trying to look behind him. Let's make the character disappear. And in some points, the camera will either enlarge or zoom in. Yeah, it would kind of open up the the angle a little bit. Not too much, I guess. Yeah, yeah, not too much, but usually enough to grab a little bit more information to make a, a good composition, right? Yeah, exactly. So, But when you turned around and were looking at what was basically behind the character, you were still seeing the gaming environment? You saw the entire game environment. Okay. And again, just to put it in perspective, Grand Theft Auto 4 is like a reimagined New York City. Right. 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 Pre-Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. New but, York City uh, is now actually being configured like the games. They're actually, yeah. It's reversed. <laughs> but uh, so what, what kind of... Hopefully not like the division, right, Leo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so at that stage... And you say you were taking a photo. What was it? Was it just a screenshot with no tools? Or did you have to add the tools? Or what, what were you doing at that point? Well, yeah, to capture the image, it was just uh, a program called Fraps. It's basically a uh, screen-grabbing program. Fraps, the one that also tells you your frame rate and everything? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. one. Okay. Yeah, that's a good program. Okay, so there wasn't any, any way to adjust your, your lighting, your aperture at that point. It was just a, oh, a yeah. screen. No, no. Yeah, at, at, at this level where he's talking about for, you know, Grand Theft Auto, this is like infancy. Yeah. Um, at this level, it's if you can get the photo and then whatever, you, if you have to know how to make it better on your own, if, mm -hmm. you, if you knew about Photoshop, right. you, you went you there. That. Yeah, yeah. So what was the... I mean, what game do you look back and say, wow, that's where it really started getting real in terms of the photography? And that's for Leo. Uh, Battlefield Bad Company, I think. Bad Company 1 or Bad, Bad Company, Company 2? 2? Bad Company 2. Yeah, that's, that's the one. <laughs> and uh, Battlefield 3 also was very important. But I think for the concept of the project, uh, Grand Theft Auto was uh, pretty much uh, more... Uh, helpful, I guess, to develop the, the project. Uh, I mean, the project uh, I created, well, created, uh, the concept is just to translate everything we do in photography, the theory, the composition rules, uh, all those, all those sets and bring them to the, all those sets, all those things we use for photography in the real world, in the tactile world and bring it to the virtual non touchable world. Uh, so I try to use all the rules I have here in the video game. So since, well, Grand Theft Auto 4 was, is in this fictitious New York City, so it was basically walking around the city and when I found something interesting, I would try to compose a, compose a picture. And what tools did they have? I mean, or what, what did you, or did you have to invent tools or... Or modify to have the photo tools at that point? Yeah, at that at that point it was just workarounds. No mm -hmm. no specific tools for screenshotting or cameras and no fancy mm -hmm. stuff. Basically taking a picture using fraps and then bring them bringing them to Photoshop and adjusting well just a, just like any photograph. Okay. Now also I wanna point out like at this at this stage, it's in infancy. If we went outside right now and we were trying to get, you know, a great composition on a corner and people are walking around, it's the same thing that's happening in Grand Theft Auto 4. Couldn't freeze that. You couldn't pause it. If you paused it, the menus would pop up. Yeah, that's there was, was no way say, yeah. to, to get yeah. that off. So yeah. what he's doing is like literally doing it in, you know, quote, quote, real time. Right, right. And yeah, when, I couldn't, you, I couldn't when, fly and anything like that. <laughs> right. When you, when you do a, a screen grab, what format is it and what size is the file? What are you actually working with when you – your initial file? What, what is it? Is it a JPEG uh, that you're getting? It's or? typically a JPEG. Back and, then. And, and back then it was a JPEG. Typically a JPEG. 
but uh, I think I'm not sure. They're now. more J. They it, it varies today. J- it varies. And, and around oh, what, how big are these files? Oh, they can get pretty big. He he. Yeah. Uh, Leo, you use Ansel, right? I use Ansel. So you can get anything like you know almost 8K in certain situations. I think it's like four and a half. But we so like, you we have like to what to work with then. Yeah. Okay. So even let's say back then you're you're wandering around New York City and taking a picture. What were you looking for? I mean, what caught your eye? You're talking about light off a building, cityscapes. Uh, what kind of compositions? Usually, well, personally, I would just look for uh, kind of geometry and shapes. Uh, I really like symmetry, so corridors, small alleys, uh, building facades, uh, all these tiny things. And is that the same thing you look for in real in your real world photography? Yeah, exactly. The video game photography thing kind of helped me to develop my personal style in in photography. Um, because in the, in the virtual world, you sort of have, uh, less limits. So you can try more pictures. You can mm-hmm. uh, travel more without getting tired. So you can, this, the virtual environment is a very good training ground. Yeah. Like a virtual see. training. Exactly. You can explore and experience more. And this, uh, I guess this helped, helped me develop my, uh, my photography style. Would you say that because of the newer tools and games like, you know, Drive Club and, um, you know, even, uh, let's start with Drive Club, right? Would you say like the tools and like Drive Club has also helped you, you know, set up your shot, maybe play with uh, some settings on the camera that you wouldn't necessarily want to lose a shot in real world, but because it's a virtual world, you can you can go through this, the process of bracketing and just trying to figure out if, if this is the route you want to go? Oh, yeah, certainly. Uh, of course, uh, when I tried uh, Drive Club, I was very surprised that the game camera mode has had all these, uh, well, camera options, exposure and aperture and speed mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I was like, wow, this is impressive. And having all these settings... Uh, Exactly. allows me to experiment, hey, what happens if I shoot this uh, slower? And what happens if I shoot this uh, faster? And uh, it, was, it was pretty cool. Right. So is that, that one of the best options right now for like, photography tools? In, in my opinion, even, I mean, Drive Club came out a couple of years ago. I feel like that should be the standard. No one should come under that. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it, you're... If you if you're gonna do it, you have to at least fake being that, because mm-hmm. it it will it will show. It yeah. will definitely show. <laughs> fake until you make it. All right. So and and when you say like the extensive photo tools, you're talking. You have your aperture control. You mm-hmm. have shutter speed control. Mm-hmm. You can control ISO sensitivity. Yes. And what else? I mean, those are the three basics. But I mean, those in a digital are, camera, you right. can you can go HDR. You know, you can. There's a lot of things you can do. Well, yeah, and especially now with the PlayStation and Xbox abilities to have HDR into the games, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can you can you can have that option in the screenshots as well. Okay. Uh, of course, you have your tilt, your pans, because see, when he was doing, just comparing it to the GTA Four, he would have to wait till he brought it to Photoshop, right. in order to you know tilt it or or anything like mm-hmm. that. Now we could do that directly. Mm-hmm. And what about game. focal lengths of lenses? Can you adjust that? And if you can, does it show the perspective change that you get when you switch a lens? I think Leo could uh, probably... Yeah, you can change the field of view. Well, yes. It gets uh, wider or uh, closer. When you zoom back, say, with a traditional zoom, wide, say, a wide zoom on a traditional camera, the wider you go, things that are closer to the camera position get exaggerated and larger. Do you have that same effect when you're doing it this way? Or when you pull back, does everything stay in relative normal perspective as far as the way we perceive space between things? Oh, no. You definitely get a little bit of distortion. Okay. Uh, really sort of like uh, kind of replicates the, repli- replicates the lenses. That's yeah, the word of the day teach. we noticed. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, there's, a, there's a lack of the feel that you have from the, the glass of the lenses. That's the thing that is, uh, you don't get on mm-hmm. this uh, 
in the simulation. And I'm sure say. someone someone's working on that. And if someone can simulate what it'd be to, you know, use a, a specific, I don't know, prime lens or something like that, I think that would be like the next step. And let's say, for example, you, you turn your lens up toward the sun. Are you going to get glare? Are you going to get those effects as well? You get it in in the standard video game, so it happens. In the photo, too. Yeah. yeah. Can yeah, you burn yeah. out the sensor? Right. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, a question. Uh, John and I were looking at some of uh, the pictures, uh, screen grabs the other day. Can you change perspective and hold everyone else where they were? In other words, walk around and look back at where you were. Could you do that to set up a good shot? Today... Yes. Using Ansel as an example, you, you act. Can you explain Ansel? Yeah, I was just going to. All right, let's, let's explain Ansel. So we're playing the game, some stuff is happening, and then you activate Ansel. Uh, Ansel freezes time. Uh, so you have this time frame stopped. So action, everything is frozen. Uh, so in Ansel, you can just move around freely. You can move the camera, uh, no axis up, down, uh, control the field of view. The, it's a very basic tool. It doesn't have much, uh, it doesn't have many as many controls as Drive Club. Uh, you have like a very basic brightness setting, and contrast, saturation. And Those, there's no aperture feature in that, right? No. Right. It's just uh, the, the biggest feature in Anso, I guess, is the ability to freeze time and uh, pull the camera. Right, and you can move around 360. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you can also produce uh, 360 videos and upload them to, like, you know, uh, Facebook, and mm-hmm. it can, you know, move them around like that. I think it does something, too, with Google Pictures And as it'll well. work with most any game, as long as it's PC? or. Ansel is available in only a few select games, uh, mostly because uh, the game itself, the game code, has to understand NVIDIA's Anso code as well, so they tie together. Uh, plus, since Anso freezes time, some some games that are mostly online wouldn't work in that situation. So, I mean, I know you have a you know great Tumblr account, and I've seen the photos. But is it basically just about sharing them with the your your friends that you play with, or are you? Do you want to kind of develop your virtual photography into something that you you exhibit, or is there any way to monetize these? <laughs> yeah. Mm, hey, listen, we got questions. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about. I never thought about um, gaining profit from the project. I mean, it's a very personal project. I really love doing it. Um, I'm planning to make a small publication about the video game photography project, but I will have to sell it because I will spend money uh, buying the papers and printing all that stuff. But I kind of got worried about this because it goes to fair use and copyright. Oh, yeah, because you're starting yeah. with something that somebody has copyrighted and you're a mod. Well, you know, these days we take a lot of, li- some people take many liberties with what they call a modification. Um, if, if you do, it's, it's sampling essentially like in music. So how far can you go before you could say that it is yours or is that really a gray area? Let me jump back to the other, the previous question about sharing. Is there an online space? Is an online community where people, uh, share their images or is that kind of just game to game? There is a small, fairly small growing community that was created by Duncan Harris. He's mainly known as uh, Dead End Thrills. He has his sort of community, but it's not exactly my concept of the project, so I didn't, uh, I didn't join them. So, uh, but what, is, what is your concept of the project? When I'm, when I'm taking a picture, when I'm taking, composing a photo in the video game, I, I try not to stray away from the rules I'm set in the real world. So uh, I cannot just go and uh, take a picture in some crazy high angle I wouldn't be able to do in real life. Um, So it sounds like you're having the same uh, uh, parameters as 
taking a, a, a straight traditional photograph. It's the rules of composition, the role, rules of catching the eye and holding the eye and having the eye move around the frame the way you want the eye to move around the frame, which is what composition is all about. Well, so, also, yeah, well, taking a look at some of your, of your work, you know, which I've seen, you there's some really nice little quiet moments that you don't mm -hmm. even think that would become from a game. You know, it might just be something that you would see in the side, uh, something that is not the main focus of the game, but the light that you use and, and the compositional skills really uh, create something special. All right. Game and a gamer, right? We have all these beautiful looking games now, which is a lot different from even six years ago. If I had to ask you to make three stunningly beautiful games that everyone should just look for footage and check out so they can understand how the virtual world can look, what would you say? Three games. Hmm. Okay. Battlefield 1. Yes. It's really good looking. Battlefield 1 is World War One era. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bioshock Infinite Ooh. has very, very good art direction. Yes, the art direction is amazing, that game. Bioshock Infinite. Infinite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the third one. Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> Mario Kart wins by default. So, I would say... Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, um, they they have created a very, very alive world. I yeah, put it that way. I, I'll, I'll say this: Rockstar, who creates Grand Theft Auto, they've been nailing L.A. for the oh. longest. They're like King L.A. Oh yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll I'll ride with you on that one as well. Thank you. That's good stuff. Thank you. Awesome. All right. So now we have a place to go to to get away from this real world of ours. Good. <laughs> I'm so glad to know. Leo, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at bhphotovideo, hashtag bhphotopodcast. Aaron Rausch is an artist and photographer based out of Los Angeles. His work incorporates collage, maps, drawing, installation, and video. And he's been described as revealing hidden connections and creating new contexts for the way we interact with our daily landscapes, both physical and digital. His gaming-related photography include the series Atlanta Dian. Welcome, Aaron. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you here. So why don't you just kind of... Fill us in on some of your gaming history. I mean, what, when, when did you start playing games? And, you know, what, what photo tools did it have back then? And what turned you on to uh, the idea of, uh, you know, creating virtual photos? You know, it's kind of a, a weird and twisty path for me to get there. You know, I played some games when I was younger, but... My family had kind of fairly strict rules about TV and video games. That was kind of during the early 90s when there was all that hype about, you know, how bad all that was for you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I played a few games. Like, I particularly, like, remember Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger when I was really young. Like, just that kind of just kind of that immersive role-playing game worlds that just seemed to go on forever. But I also was like really apparently uh, obsessive about like strategy guides when I was younger. Uh, my mom always tells stories about how like I owned strategy guides for games I didn't actually own and would just spend <laughs> hours looking at them. <laughs> Um, you know, and as I got older, you know, I got involved online. I played some of like the early online text-based adventures and stuff. And that was really formative to me because they were just such strange spaces. All of these real people typing in commands at the same time to move around. And, um, you know, and I was also involved a lot in underground music and like anime culture and comic books and zines at this point, kind of mm -hmm. in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was kind of drifting away from even playing video games that much. And I was never really doing much more than maybe, I don't know, making some little, little illustrations based on video games. Um, physical illustrations? Yeah, like or just, yeah, yeah, just like drawing stuff paper, based yeah. on video games a little bit. Yeah, kind of in that comic zine style right. where I'd use a zine and share it with friends. Would you call yourself um, a photographer at this time also? Or, or were you ever a photographer? Or, or, or how does that um, fit into things too? So interestingly, I was actually going to head to doing um, web design. Uh, that was kind of my plan. 
uh, going into college, but I kind of ended up with a web design job really early in my life. I was actually heading a web team for a, a public college at 17. I was driving after school to go like head up this web design team kind of during the internet boom. So I did that for a while and I um, just kind of was like, after two years of doing that, I was already burnt out on office life. And I was just like, to hell with it. I'm going to do the exact opposite. And so I switched majors to being an art major. Hmm, and then okay. I got stuck taking a photo class. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I was kind of late coming into it, didn't sign up on time. And they're like, and I was like, photo? Photo's not even art. <laughs> yeah, that was Uh-oh. sort of my background. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little background in life drawing and painting and all that. And of course, you can see this coming from a mile away. Like all I did was spend the rest of the next, you know, two years in in the darkroom. I just totally fell in love with photography. I got super interested in like the Japanese photographers from the 70s, from the Provoke era, like Daito Moriyama Mm -hmm. and Eiko Hosue. And all this while, you know, I'm still being a nerd, still playing video games, but they're like totally separate in my life. Um, and at some point I trans, I transferred out to the Minneapolis college of art and design to go to like, I really wanted to go to a good photo school. Cause I had just decided that's my thing. And, um, you know, around then I started to hear stories about some of my high school friends that had just like dropped out of school or whatever. And that they were like, apparently one of them had dropped out to play EverQuest, like the oh, first man. real online role-playing I'm game. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and I started to hear about like that and Ultima Online. And, like a couple of my friends had like dropped out of high school and just disappeared. I'd never heard from them again. Yep. I thought like maybe their parents had well. broken up or like something bad had happened. Turns out they had just kind of dropped out to play the to just like live in these virtual worlds, you know. And I'm I'm working along shooting four by five, you know, photography at this point. And doing some work, like documentary work on my fan culture stuff, like documenting cosplay at conventions, kind of trying to like figure out how these two things overlap a little in my life, like my two big interests. Mm -hmm. And that sort of just that story of getting lost in these universes of games just totally took over my imagination. And I got really invested in like making art about these online spaces basically so i started pulling screenshots from online building installations you know kind of dabbling at using this material in a way that like might be considered more artistic Mm -hmm. um to tell these stories and that's kind of like how i end up beginning to integrate like using video games in the in my art Hmm. Okay. Good story. It's kind so, of a weird roundabout way. Like it's yeah. not super straightforward at all. I wasn't even playing video games at this point because yeah. I mean, anyone who's been to art school knows you got about twenty seconds to rub together a free time every day. Right. You went to the wrong school. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. I already could have. <laughs> well, that you know, maybe tells you a lot about Cal Arts, where I got my grad degree later, which was I ended up playing a ton of World of Warcraft, and they even had a class that Ito Stern was heading up that played World of Warcraft as a class activity. <laughs> <laughs> and but that's Cal Arts, you know, clothing yeah. optional. <laughs> <laughs> well. No. Uh, so then is there any kind of one, I mean, I know that your work is a little bit different than some of the other people we've spoken to who are, you know, they're, they're kind of taking images of the game's environment. Uh, they may be adding, you know, the photo, using the photo tools to, to enhance or improve the lighting or what, what have you. And your work's a little different than that, but, uh, what, were there any games that, uh, that you particularly enjoyed kind of wandering around and, and grabbing images from? And what, what 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 were the games that kind of started you in that sense? Well, so for me, I really have to chalk that up to World of Warcraft. Um, I had dabbled with using shots of the screen before in some other collage-based work. I mean, I think I was very influenced by a lot of like pop artists and conceptual artists who had kind of made photographs of the screen. I mean, even like Lee Friedlander and everyone had done that. And um, I was kind of interested in this idea of like all this time I was spent staring at a TV watching anime or playing games. But it was really World of Warcraft. Like World of Warcraft was like this moment where you just kind of drop into it and it just goes. And it just seems to be so idiosyncratic and expansive that – 
the potential for making work within that space was like almost immediately clear to me. I had a friend who just showed me around in his laptop. He's like, this is my level 43 uh, Paladin. Let me show you around. I was just like absolutely flabbergasted by the vastness and just like the continual like, you know, odd details that photography really lavishes on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that was just like, okay, I have to do something with this. I have to, I went out, you know, bought the game and started playing it just as a photographer. I mean, I played almost the first 60 levels of that game, just solely like a photographic wanderer out with a four by five, you know, doing my Ansel Adams thing just mm-hmm. without a beard, you know? <laughs> um, and what was really interesting, and I think what kind of pushed it even further for me was my laptop at the time was this MacBook Pro that I used on all my photo shoots that I was doing commercially, and it was pretty beat up. Um, and it had a kind of not always perfectly functioning graphics card that started to create all these weird – like like every six hours, you just turn around and the world would explode into like <laughs> psychedelic cubism. Yeah. And I was like – but it was like that always the graphics card. <laughs> <laughs> I wish um, it would like you just see a lot of the underlying structure of these universes. Like right, you could kind of see the vector lines that like receded to the horizon, mm-hmm. or like some of the maybe the underwire models. Like it just like the graphics cards. Yeah, you just decide. You know, I'm only going to render about half that screen. Like have fun with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that got really interesting to me. So I, cause I kind of was like, oh, this is something even more than just taking this object from within the screen like an anthropologist and presenting it in a gallery. You know, I like kind of literally – it was like, oh, OK, this is cool because this is kind of like deconstructing or kind of getting under the hood of what makes this – faux reality or virtual reality kind of tick Mm -hmm. and that to me was just like really fascinating that kind of like locked me into working with this stuff like a lot deeper interesting did that work then influence the work you did in the real world quote unquote you know what i mean like your photography in the outside world or did it just they they kind of remain separate so that's actually a really interesting question that i did not at the time think so but in retrospect, it's immensely clear that the two were related. Um, I was living in Santa Monica during the housing boom and bust, mm-hmm. and I was making this work in World of Warcraft roughly at the same time. And I had never lived anywhere that was – the buildings themselves were changing so rapidly into such you know really over-planned designs as like this old sleepy beach town was being kind of demolished to make way for Beverly Hills 2.0 mm-hmm. oh. and like you know half the blocks in our neighbor or half the buildings in our uh, neighborhood were knocked down you know and put back up in this course of when I was making this wow work and so I was also making a, a architecture project documenting these old dingbat apartments in Santa Monica. I was really involved in that and kind of making these stories about the space. And, you know, looking back at that after a few years, it became super clear to me that like, you know, while one was technically virtual and the other was real, they both kind of were digging at this same issue of like, what are these unseen forces that influence the world you're spending time in? You know, whether it be, commercial interests in World of Warcraft or whether it's commercial interests that are determining the kind of master plan of the city you're living in. It was like pretty clear that like those two interests were very parallel. Interesting. Uh, Hmm. That's cool. And uh, in in terms of uh, the games, I mean, are you still, are you still doing this and, and are you still, I mean, are there any games or any, let's say photo tools in particular games that interest you or, or is, is the the photo work that you're doing after you've taken the screen grab and you pull it out in the Photoshop and stuff like that? So it's really interesting to me that my approach has changed a lot over the years and I'm still kind of coming terms to terms of what this new approach might mean. But, you know, previously I was sort of doing what a lot of screenshot photographers do is I was heavily, I was climbing around into odd little nooks and crannies in the game to get like that perfect lineup shot that like, in my case is like tying in 
World of Warcraft landscapes to like Timothy O'Sullivan westward expansion photographs in the mm-hmm. 1800s, mm-hmm. you know, like trying to like kind of mock each other. And then I push print screen, take it into Photoshop, make it look like a cyanotype or, you know, a platinum print, a fake platinum print, print it out, show it in a gallery. But now I've actually moved back to using cameras. So I actually am using a 5DSR, one of the super high megapixel Canon cameras, um, as a way to deliberately expand the frame with the camera so that it includes like chunks of my desk or the ambient light or like even the weird mixed light colors or the fact that like the screen doesn't sync up. Like I've gotten really interested in the kind of relationship of like the physical person sitting in front of screens because like we all do that all day, right? Like we all sit in front of screens, whether it's our cell phone or a tablet or a computer, like we have like the most intimate relationship with these screen objects and the camera kind of becomes a way to maybe pry at some of that stuff that your eye like kind of filters out. Like it pretends like the screen ends at the screen corners, but like really there's this much bigger field that's going on. Totally. You know, like like for instance, like if you spin the camera around, so I'm doing a lot of stuff with handheld camera while playing competitive games. Mm. And I think that might be interesting to note is like my interest has changed kind of from these static online worlds that you explore in to more interest in, in the esports side of things. I just got it. I found it really fascinating that they play games in like Staples Center where the Lakers play, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like millions and millions of people watch these kids like sitting at computers on the same floor where, you know, mm-hmm. the hockey team practices. And um, and so I think the physical side of it's just been a lot more. That's the direction I'm moving is like this physical interrelationship with with gaming, not just purely like eyesight but like in a lot of cases i'm like using the screen to light self-portraits or stuff like Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. so this project is called valhalla nocturnes and it's still somewhat ongoing i'm in the middle of producing it and hoping to show it so you're kind of bringing it back outside of the game yeah the impression of that that experience right of being up at 2 a.m drinking a whiskey and like being (laughs) stressed out because you suck at video games (laughs) what would you say then to you know the the haters the naysayers who 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 are going to kind of say you know, that's not real photography if you're taking a, a photo of the gaming environment with with an onboard photo tool. Have well, you, had, you know, had that conversation before? Absolutely. I mean, I have I had incredible pushback. I mean, maybe I'll start backwards on this. Um, I had incredible pushback early on when I was making this work. Like when I made that first World of Warcraft work, there was a huge furor at the school. Like people were accusing me of copyright violation, plagiarism. People were really confused and just almost borderline offended. So you knew you were on the right track is what you're saying. Well, I I was pretty young when I went to grad school to get my MFA. Um, And uh, I, I took it really hard. Like I did this like show of, printouts of world of warcraft landscapes like that was out in the trees in front of cal arts and um i was like this is just kind of it's weird and cool and there's something here like i know there's something here mm-hmm. and i had never seen my classmates get so pissed off at anything and this is a school where like anything goes i mean this is you know a school with where mike kelly graduated from you know like this is a school where people regularly like do nude performance art and like nail things to the walls illegally and like like this is like anything goes and they were somehow like super offended at like these like printouts of world of warcraft and five by seven on photo paper which is like the most innocuous thing and thankfully i had some good professors that kind of were like no stick with it i think you're onto something Mm -hmm. that's great and what's interesting is now no one questions it hardly there's a few people that are like oh copyright law or whatever which is fair um but everyone just kind of is like oh yeah you know fan culture screen space, virtual reality, like these have just been in the, in the 10 years since then, all those ideas are just part of our life now. And I don't really see that same pushback. I see, I mean, I've done more interviews and more talking about this project 10 years after it happened than I did in the 10 years leading up to 2016, 17. Um, And I think that's been really interesting to me that like somehow this is like, we just get that like screen space is now part of photo space um, that like 
you know, we use screen photography for all these different things, right? We all print screen to show a bug to someone or like we use our cell phones to like share some stupid photo of our dog, you know, and it's like we, you know, we meme things, we Photoshop things like this is all just part of the kind of media landscape we're in. Absolutely. Right. But, um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say that you, you know, that as well as anyone else, gamers usually push technology because gaming pushes technology. And, you know, getting up to the place now where your work is more accepted as opposed to, you know, they wanted to stone you in the beginning, you know, I think that says a lot to what's been happening over, I guess, like you said, the 10 years. So in the 10 years that you've been doing this, using, were you using internal tools for for the world of Worldcraft and do you use something new now, like Ansel, like how... Like, how has that process evolved for you as well? Well, um, you know, to give a framework for how I've approached the tool side of it is I typically am looking for, like, dissonance or tension between kind of, like, what we expect out of art and what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And right, and so my interest, actually, in screenshot photography is, is to get back to your other question just a touch first – Precisely because it's really tension laden, right? Like there's these like questions about who owns copyright on virtual stuff or how does this lensless photography thing interact with kind of the lens based photography? How does screens different than gelatin silver prints like like in a way that mismatch or that kind of like slight expansion of the vocabulary of photography, which is what I really consider screenshot and virtual photography to be. They're kind of like adding a new, you know, gamut section to the whole of photography. Mm -hmm. Um, That's like slightly different than normal photography, but still shares a lot of interesting similarities. But like that tension, like the parts that don't line up between virtual photography and regular photography, like kind of draw this like perfect negative space picture of like what makes life so interesting and weird in like 2016 as opposed to like 1976. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, like, I'm happy to kind of use whatever tools. So I was, for most of the World of Warcraft work, using um, the in-game tools. I was sort of treating my character as a a camera, Uh, Mm -hmm. my character Gita Board, um, as a a mobile tripod camera, right? So I would, like, move him around, scroll in so you couldn't see him, Mm -hmm. make the shot. Right. but I've also done some other stuff. Like I'm really interested in the full expanse of the technology. Um, like for instance, I've done stuff with screen tra- with mouse tracking as well. I've made prints from League of Legends where I um, they're drawings of these kind of scronky, crazy drawings um, that that are made from tracking every mouse motion during a game in League of Legends, which if you've ever played, it's like the most frantic thing ever. Mm-hmm. And it's just this like crazy 1960s like you know, abstract black and white minimalist like drawing. But is that tracking um, tool in the game or that's something? No, that's, that's yeah. not. That's it's a tool called IOGRAPH. And, yeah. and actually it's like, so I've been interested in kind of that. And then I'm, like I said, now mostly using physical cameras. Right. But I've gotten really interested in all the different inputs and outputs. Like I'm really fascinated with what's going to happen with, because like Ansel starts to push screenshot photography towards sculpture, if I understand it correctly, like virtual sculpture, right? It's kind of taking all, it's taking a capture of all the data rather than simply a frozen frame, right? Like I've never used it, but all I've right. had people talk about it. So Ansel, you can, you can still get, you can position the world in a way where you can get the shot that you want. Mm-hmm. You And if you wanted to, you could export a piece of the world to make it like a 360 video for Facebook yeah. or, or something like that. And it has mm-hmm. very basic tools like for adding filters and you can do a little tilt or anything like that. But for the most, I mean, it, it, it would help. It would help because you can make some, you know, 4K type prints or even even detailed, you know, even more details and textures because you know how sometimes the tools we use, it'll just grab like at whatever rate it can get. And you can't upscale, but you can downscale. So the answer will give you like a, a four, like a almost an 8K or a 4K resolution, and then you can really, you know, crop. Just go crazy with the cropping if you wanted to. 
Yeah, and see, for me, like my interest has never particularly been in the, in the fidelity to the detail of what's in the game, mm-hmm. right? Like, like for me, I'm really interested in like the jaggy, pixely bits, the stuff <laughs> oh, you that like, like the kind of. <laughs> I like the idea that I can like when I'm shooting with my physical camera, you can see like a corner of my studio reflected in my monitor, right? Like, okay. like I kind of like that impressional breakdown of everything. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting to me about Ansel is that it's like really because it's capturing that underlying modeling data mm-hmm. like that seems really new and interesting yeah like like that's not just taking a picture anymore where you're capturing surfaces this is like fundamentally capturing the structural detail it's like taking a picture of a building but you get the architectural plan in 3d right, right? that's kind of really crazy and new to me and i have no idea what to do with it but i'm sure with the advent of 3d printer technology and stuff which i think is one of the more interesting kind of photo adjacent output methods i think that there's going to be some really fascinating stuff done by that with someone who's much smarter than me about the technology yeah that's a good link right there well, I think that's a lot of it. You know, these games are sort of 3D sculptural things that are also photographic. You know, it's like a bit like sometimes taking a picture. Like there's all those classic photos from the 1800s of Rodin sculptures, right? Mm-hmm. Like in a lot of ways, I feel like that kind of relationship or the relationship between like, you know, the two Andos, you know, the the Ando architect and Ando, the photographer who did that collaborative book, right? Like the relationship between architecture and photography is like, I think some of those ways are kind of the closest ways to what's, what's happening in screenshot photography or yeah. garden photography, you know? That's an analogy that comes up a lot when we're talking about this, the, the relationship with architectural photography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's historically like a really important linkage in, um, like the, the sort of story of video game philosophy and cultural theory, right? Like I'm um, trying to remember who wrote that book, but there's a book that's basically like describing video game spaces as architectural spaces. Like the, the way we experience things in them is kind of like using mm-hmm. architecture as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember yeah, if yeah. that was, that might've been Henry Jenkins, but I'm not, I'm blanking on the name right now. Anything else you wanted to add that we didn't touch on specifically? And, and if you want um, to, yeah. I'm working a lot with Overwatch, Overwatch. right now. Yeah, Overwatch yeah is that's like, awesome. It's it's it is so the I didn't realize it at first, but trying to handhold like a five DSR, which I don't know if you guys have shot with that camera at all, but it's like it's so fussy about focus and blur. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like shooting that cam like trying to shoot that while in the middle of an okay. Overwatch match is yeah. absolutely the most hilarious thing ever. And I'm kind of leaning into it. I kind of love the crazy trails and stuff you're getting like in this kind of like there's like some weird awkward performance art thing about like trying to use a physical camera rather than one of these super sophisticated in-game tools to like take a picture while you're in the middle of getting screamed at by like a bunch of 14 year olds like (laughs) (laughs) that's great stuff uh aaron thank you so much for joining us a pleasure having you on board yeah absolute pleasure thanks guys for the interest Tobias Anderson is the senior producer of The Hunter, Call of the Wild, the latest game in the very popular Hunter series. We're going to be speaking with Tobias about what elements of photography he puts into his games and his thoughts on the subject. Welcome, Tobias. The Hunter games seem to be a perfect platform for in-game photography, beautiful landscapes from the forest to the world, sunsets, wildlife, and hunting trophies. Is photographing the environment something you think about when developing a game? I mean, we pride ourselves in making... uh very realistic environments uh, for the hunter uh, franchise and for the hunter call of the wild this was one of the the pillars of, of the development to showcase our uh, our engine that is specialized in, in creating these worlds uh, and we know for a fact that uh, people tend to disregard our game sometimes and just walk around in the world uh, and sort of admire its beauty, uh, which we do ourselves as well. Sometimes people just walk around and look uh, at the environments and enjoy the sort of the realistic uh, experience that they get from from uh, these virtual worlds. And that's so, something that's something that you, you're really conscious of when you're developing the look of the game, knowing that people okay. are are going to just be hanging out. Yeah. Well, we can see it when we develop it. I mean, some of our developers 
that are constructing these worlds, that are sort of painting the terrain and putting these uh, trees and, and uh, you know, the features of the landscape in, they tend to stay within these worlds and just walk around and take screenshots and share with the rest of the team and just, you know, uh, they are amazed at their own creations sometimes, actually. Now, b- before we get deeper into this, for our listeners who may be unfamiliar with the particular series, could you just explain what the Hunter series is? Sure. The uh, the Hunter Call of the Wild, the latest in the franchise, uh, is uh, the, um, the ultimate hunting experience, basically. Uh, it's uh, you, you travel to two different preserves, uh, either one... Uh, in the U.S. or one in Germany, and you uh, you hunt, you track, you lure animals, and you hunt. Uh, but you do that in an extremely realistic environment, uh, and the game prides itself with being extremely immersive. Uh, so um, as close to the real hunting experience as possible, basically. Right, right, and that of course naturally would set up all the per- perfect vistas for the in-game photography. And- yeah. And now, uh, do do any of the characters themselves uh, take photos in the game, or is straight hunting? Um, well, actually, some of the missions and the mission arcs that we have are pure um, photographic missions. That's so awesome. you are equipped with a, you're equipped with a camera, uh, and uh, instead of shooting animals, you are sometimes uh, asked as an objective to photograph some of these uh, animals. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so some rare uh, animals or, or specific uh, species and so on. All right. And uh, what kind of tools, uh, what kind of cameras are you giving to the characters then? Well, uh, it's, it's very rudimentary uh, in the, the, the Hunter Call of the Wild. It's, it's basically a camera. Uh, and what you can do with it is you can, you can zoom and you can uh, take pictures. Um, but... Um, uh, Sometimes that's enough, you know. It's a it's right. a point and shoot experience, but uh, if you are at the right time at the right place, that is definitely going to render some nice uh, or amazing images. Well, just following up on that, so you said that uh, it's a point and shoot experience, but uh, you can zoom in and zoom out. Do you guys have specific? Uh, uh, do you take it to the level of having a specific focal range, and you know that this is wide angle and this is a tele, or is that something that is in any of the Avalanche games? Uh, actually, yeah, we we did develop a, a photo mode for Mad Max, uh, a, a camera mode. I, I thought it was, I think it was called photo mode, and with that you could uh, you could do a lot of things. You could post the camera, basically pause the game. You post the camera. Uh, you could set the time of day uh, in the shot, I believe, uh, so you could get a nice sunset for, uh, and you could um, you could uh, affect the. We didn't call it uh, aperture or uh, the classic camera uh, sort of expressions, but more the game uh, terminology. So you have your you have your depth of field, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically uh, equivalent to uh, choosing the uh, aperture. But um, you also have the the field of view, uh, which would then be the lens or the zoom level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could uh, control those uh, and. That was a very powerful tool, uh, definitely, and we got some uh, amazing uh, renders or, or pictures from our uh, players with those. Can you only take photos from the character's point of view, or can you separate yourself to take, you know, uh, I don't know, take a photo of the hunters and, and perhaps one of their kills or something like that? And uh, and what kind of photos are you getting back from, from gamers? Uh, mostly landscapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we you, uh, there is a multiplayer mode, so you can play with your friends, up to seven friends, uh, team of eight, so you can hunt in teams, uh, so to speak, and people definitely take pictures of these experiences, uh, shooting pictures of their friends hunting and so on. Right. But I'd say predominantly we get a lot of landscapes. People are mesmerized and in awe for the, you know, the, the sceneries I mean, and yeah. the uh, experience. Yeah. Um, in the the other hunter game, the Hunter Classic, there's a trophy mode, uh, so you could actually pose animals uh, that you shot and and these um, trophy shots. So in that the original game, the the camera mode is a little bit more um, developed, um, 
and uh, people love these shots. They basically pose the animals, uh, sometimes goofy and sometimes <laughs> uh, in all these uh, scenarios. And then they have, uh, I think, recently we, we released uh, some some uh, ability to add filters to that as well, like uh, an Instagram sort uh, of. Uh, that's cool. And you have a lot of interaction then with the players. They're always sending you guys images and back and forth, and and or once it's all out. the time. Yeah, uh, we, in our forums, the the pictures is one of the most featured uh, things, and we also have photo competitions. Uh, recently, had one in the Hunter Call of the Wild where people basically took pictures, sent them in, and the development team ranked them and uh, announced the winner. Yeah, I'm curious to see how like uh, if you would compare you know, photo, photos that hunters take in the real world compared to the photos that they take in the virtual world to see how they compare, you know, whether it's like trophy shots or, uh, you know, them sitting around with their buddies drinking beer or whatever it happens to be. You know. Yeah, well, we're definitely inspired by that and, and want to give them the same experience. Actually, all, I, I think uh, someone mentioned to me almost half of our players of the franchise are real-life hunters. So Makes they definitely... Everything they do in real life, they want to do in our games, and they are not shy to uh, to propose that to us or or uh, uh, you know request those features. And we do as much as we can to listen to our community and try to add these features in uh, for their pleasure. Well, let me ask then. It sounds like you know based on what you said about the Mad Max series and and the original Hunter that that in this version the photo tools are scaled back a little bit. And uh, what was the reason for that? And also. I guess a, a, a general question is, what do you see going forward in in gaming in general with photo tools being uh, integrated into the games? Do you think it's happening uh, more or, or less, or it's just company to company? Yeah, so to answer the first question about uh, the what, the scale back version in this uh, game, uh, the, the camera itself is... is powerful uh, in its simplicity, but we needed to focus our, our feature set, uh, so a lot of it was dedicated to the hunting experience as such, uh, so that that was uh, as good as possible uh, for the game at release. Um, that being said, uh, I think that the photo tools in games in general is something that's coming more and more, uh, and uh, some people... Um, you know, um, acknowledges the importance of it or, or understands the importance of it because um, we get a lot of uh, exposure of our games uh, through our community and through our users. And also, I think it's really important for people to be able to express themselves uh, and what they experience within these virtual worlds, just as they would do in, you know, real life. People love to take pictures in real life and share, you know, from travels or whatever. Right. Uh, they want to do the same in their virtual worlds, uh, and they are sometimes they experience, you know, over the top things that they would never do in real life. Now they have a chance to actually document this properly and share that in the same way as they do in real life uh, with the tools that a lot of games and and ours uh, sometimes in particular have uh, given them the tools to do. Cool. All right. Um, I want to jump over then to ask a couple of questions about uh, how you develop the game and uh, and the use of photos in that sense. And I know that uh, you're a photographer also, correct? I mean, that's uh, right. I'm a, well, amateur photographer, but right. sure, uh, we're all amateurs, right? I mean, <laughs> when it comes down to it, I suppose. But uh, so, do you have do you hire still photographers? Do you have people that go out into, let's say, the the forest of Germany or in, or in North America where these games are set? and take pictures and come back to you with them or no? Uh, uh, for the Hunter series, we did not hire still photographers. Um, we, uh, we scour the internet for, for uh, information. And the, the, I think the main reason for that is we need so much reference. I mean, there's no end to the amount of pictures that we need uh, to be able to properly represent the, the experience that we want when we concept the game. So we take references from all over, uh, even if it's not like south of Germany, even if it's like Ukraine or Romania. If, if we find something that we think would fit, we use it. Uh -huh. Well, I guess then my follow-up question may not apply as much, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you guys, uh, especially as an amateur photographer or as a photo lover, do you, uh, do you reference or at least uh, think about certain types of landscape photography or 
certain looks, certain photographic looks when you're developing the game? We get inspired from a lot of different photography. Uh, definitely, there's there's no particular uh, style or or person or uh, look that we go for. Uh, the art form, as such, if you can talk about games as being an art form, uh, is very eclectic. We have the chance to mold uh, a lot of styles and uh, visual looks into the vision of our art director or game director uh, and the, the experience that we want to portray. So uh, I'd say we influence, we get influenced from basically whatever. Uh, uh, I think that photography in games, if you can, from our development perspective, is very technical. Uh, a lot of the graphics that we do is on a highly technical level, um, and you know HDR and all the all the sort of high technical photography uh, styles is something that interests, but also something that we have to take uh, into considerations. Uh, a lot of the textures that we do now are, are very sophisticated. It's not like 8-bit images anymore. It's like uh, floating point images and, you know, a lot of very technical uh, what our artists and, and the graphical uh, programmers do. That makes sense. Yeah, it did. So I just wanted to know, like, in part of that um, discussion, that debate that goes on online, you know, is in-game photography actually photography? Do you respect it as such? Uh, it is a real thing. I love it. I mean, uh, it, it can't compare to the real thing, of course, because the the sort of the the experience of, of going into the woods and seeing the real thing is amazing. But uh, I can say that I, I've... I've dabbled a lot with in-game photography myself. Like I, some panoramas where I just take a lot of screenshots and, and sort of merge them and stitch them together, cool. uh, and just to see the effect of it. And it's like, it's perfect. The circumstances are always perfect, you know. So it's it's uh, it's kind of uh, tempting not to just try it out and try the same techniques I do in real life uh, with the the material that I can get from our engines and so on. So it's definitely a real thing. Um, sometimes you can definitely fool someone with our in-game screenshots. Uh, and I've gotten the question like hundreds of times in presentations when I've shown this game, is that a screenshot? Is that real? Or is that from the engine? From people who are actually working here. So, you know, it's... it's a, And that's not even, you know, doing a lot of Photoshopping either. It's, it's rather just raw material from our engine. So uh, it's, it's a real thing. Yeah, I, I've been gaming for a long time, and now when you see something that says in-game footage or in-game from in the engine or whatever, you just have to like give that much more credit to to what you're seeing. And you know, the Avalanche engine is probably one of the better ones out there. Okay, guys, I really really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks so much. Great, thank you so much, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Well, that is one heck of a show we have here. I, I know I learned more than a few things today. Anyway, uh, thank you so much to all of our guests. Thank you to Akeem for sitting in with us today. He's hugely valuable. On behalf of John, Jason, Akeem, and myself, thank you so much for tuning in today.